This is Aspiring Altruists, the show where you'll hear the stories of young professionals in the nonprofit sector working to change the world. We'll dive into their backgrounds, hear about the work they do, and ultimately learn how they got to where they are and how you can do the same. With the nonprofit sector comprising one of the largest U.S. workforces by tackling the world's biggest problems across nine major categories, you may just hear something that could change your life, and through it, the lives of countless others. This episode of Aspiring Altruists features a young woman who is dedicated to housing and food security, Rose Osborne. Rose is a volunteer and in-kind coordinator at Thrive DC, an organization that works to prevent and end homelessness in DC by providing vulnerable people with a wide range of services. She has worked with food in many forms over her early career and loves interacting with others and learning about their true needs. She graduated just a couple of years ago from the College of Worcester in Ohio, having studied sociology with a focus on urban studies, political science, and education. So without further ado, let's hear from Rose. So Rose, can you share with us a bit about what your role as a volunteer and in-kind coordinator involves? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as a volunteer and in-kind coordinator, um, I work at uh, the organization Thrive DC. So we work with folks who are at risk or experiencing homelessness. What I do is I really, uh, I recruit volunteers, I orient them to um, what it's like to volunteer at Thrive DC, what it's you know, um, preparing them to work with folks who are at risk and experiencing homelessness. And then I also um, help to collect uh, donations from individuals, companies, um, religious groups, really anyone can do a drive, even a group of friends to collect toiletries, shirts, underwear, socks, all kinds of super important items. And so that's really, uh, that's really what I focus on while I'm at Thrive is just making sure that we have all the necessary items in stock so that um, we can make sure that our clients are well taken care of. And can you tell us a bit more about, you described a bit there about Thrive DC itself. Can you dive a bit more into what the mission of the organization is in full and sort of how it's, what drew you to it? Yeah, so Thrive DC um, is located in Columbia Heights in uh, Ward 1 in Washington, D.C., and our mission has always been to work with folks who are at risk or experiencing homelessness. We originally were called the Dinner Program for Homeless Women, uh, and then we changed our name to uh, you know reflect the growing mission of serving all folks, no matter who they were. Um, we've always been kind of a no-questions-asked organization. If folks come to us needing help, um, then we will do our best to provide that to them. We provide an array of services. We've always had a huge focus on uh, really serving folks who are um, food insecure, really. And especially during the pandemic right now, that's that's really, really big. We also actually kind of serve as like a post office. So that's something I never really kind of thought too much about um, before coming to Thrive was where do people get their mail? <laughs> um, especially folks, yeah, folks who are um, experiencing or at risk of experiencing homelessness or even those who um, are just housing insecure. Um, It's a safe place for them to come get their mail, um, a reliable place for them to come get their mail. So we actually have over a thousand clients mail come to us, um, which you can imagine is really important, especially right now with folks looking for those stimulus checks and um, all kinds of important information with tax season coming. That's just, yeah, that's just a little, uh, we we provide also victim services programs, so much more. (laughs) The list could go on. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's that's really broad that's kind of interesting having a place like that that is so much of a one-stop shop for so many people 
Exactly. That's really what we call ourselves um, as a one-stop shop for folks. Right. Yeah, that that's definitely important, being able to have a place that people know they can go to that's safe and has what they need. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's keep exploring your background specifically for our listeners here. I saw that you were a farmer before jumping into your current role and that uh, your latest educational read has been Farming While Black. So tell us a bit about what led you to that and how that's played a part in leading to where you are today. I've always had a really big interest in both housing and food security. And I think really, no matter what I do in terms of um, you know, working, doing kind of sort of on the ground work, if, whether that's with a nonprofit or mutual aid group or more grassroots groups, um, it all really connects. <laughs> mm. So um, that's kind of just like the amazing part of working for the nonprofit world. I think that it's a, it's a really small and vibrant community um, and you can really find so many intersections. Yeah, I, I did some work as a farmer. Um, I did that actually I'd always had an interest, again, in working, kind of like getting my hands dirty, literally, Mm. um, ever since I was young. And I had done a lot of volunteer work in gardens. Um, And then right out of college, I kind of just, I moved back home to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, I did some farming with someone uh, that uh, I knew from the community who had a small farm who did CSAs. um, So uh, local CSAs in the community where folks could come get boxes of food every week for an affordable price and it was all organic. Right. Um, And I really found a lot of inspiration in just working with food um, and working in that world. So then I actually uh, became a food justice fellow with Repair the World, which allowed me to do more of that physical on the ground, hands getting dirty work, (laughs) as well as learning a lot more about also the policy side of things. I worked with an organization called Just Harvest, uh, working with folks to receive SNAP benefits. Um, So as a lot of people know, food stamps, as well as I helped people even, um, you know, get their taxes done there. Uh, You know, all of it, again, it intersects in one way or another. So they didn't just do work with food policy. They did, you know, work with making sure people got their taxes in. I also worked with uh, an organization called Grow Pittsburgh there. They did a lot more on the ground work, a lot with schools. So I worked with kids in the garden, which was a ton of fun. Um, And most of the schools were in underserved populations in Pittsburgh. And then after my year there, um, I had gained so many amazing skills. Um, A lot of the fellowship was focused on working with volunteers. And um, I absolutely love working with people. (laughs) So uh, doing doing the volunteer and in-kind coordinator position with Thrive DC was a really natural kind of um, segue into that position of just uh, allowing to allowing myself to gain more skills and just working with one-on-one with volunteers and um, also gaining that um, ability to uh, work with donors on um, bringing in important donations so that our clients again are well taken care of. So um, yeah, <laughs> the food world and the um, world of housing, it, it really does intersect in a lot of ways. Both are necessary human rights. No matter where right. I am in that world, I feel like my position can be important. And I know beyond that, in terms of your focus area, in terms of your work and all of that background that's led you to here, you really describe yourself, as I saw, as somebody that is is just, is a mediator, is a caretaker, a leader, and someone who enjoys creating change. So Uh, How does that play out both in your career, as you've been talking about, as well as beyond that on your daily life? 
I don't know, you know, ever since I was a kid, I just kind of had a feeling that um, I was an empathetic person. <laughs> mm. um, and so I think I really tuned into that at a young age and um, wanted to do something um, that when I was a kid, I just said I wanted to help people. <laughs> mm. Now I like to frame it as I, I want to serve people. I want to serve folks who um, are underserved. Um, I think serving is, um, you know, a really important distinction between helping people kind of gets rid of that savior complex. Um, I think I've learned a lot through the years about um, what that means, uh, especially as a a white woman uh, Mm -hmm. in the nonprofit world, serving folks who are primarily um, black and brown in a really systemically racist world. <laughs> um, and, uh, I think being a caretaker also came as a very natural thing for me and, uh, and really made me, um, made me also understand about how to take care of myself in order to take care of the communities that I was so lucky to be a part of. Um, and a lot of that knowledge came from the amazing role models that I had. Um, I think especially when I actually entered into Pittsburgh, there's so many amazing um, food justice advocates that I was able to work with. A lot of them amazing Black women who just really showed me the way. Um, they didn't have to, and they did. <laughs> uh, and they showed me what it means to take care of your community, to take care of yourself through feeding people and through feeding people healthy food um, and also giving people the option to um, choose what they get to eat. So that was really inspiring for me. Um as well as when I was in college, I mean, I did my thesis on housing in Detroit. Um, that was huge for me to really learn as a Michigander um, about, you know, just again the the racism that has happened in uh, in in Detroit, and um, and really again showed me showed me how to uh, how to how to be a better caretaker in the world of folks who are experiencing ho- um, homelessness or houselessness, um, and. Uh, and yeah, it was just super eye-opening for sure. Is there anything that as you're doing the work you're doing now that you wish you knew when you got started? I would definitely say one of the more important parts is um, you know, knowing your boundaries, knowing the energy level that you have mm. put into something you really love and care about. Um, I think everyone's energy level is different. Um, it's super easy to... Um, to see folks who are working so, so hard um, and putting all their energy into it. And that's because they can and they have the energy to do that. I personally am someone who tries to admit to myself and to others that as much as I love community and I love doing the work um, of supporting communities, both who are you know food insecure um, and um, housing insecure, uh, I, I don't have the energy to do it full time <laughs> during huh. my personal life and also in my career. So I try to find that balance. I also try to, um, try to be easy on myself, really, I think is, is advice I wish I had known um, that I don't have to push myself to the full limit um, because then I won't be able to to serve as best as I can <laughs> mm. to those folks that I'm working with, um, as well as just, you know, being, you know, honest with yourself and, uh, in, um, getting new information and making sure that you're hearing out others, um, whether that's the clients or the folks you might be working with in whatever capacity and whatever communities you may be working with. And also, um, you know, just educating yourself consistently. Um, that is something that I do try to do, um, both in work and outside of work. Um, and I think is something that, yeah, it's just a continuous process for sure. Uh, and something I would have told myself that uh, 
I'm going to have to really get on board with when I, when I was younger, I would have had to tell myself that. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely something that's important. Uh, as I've heard from others and have experienced somewhat myself in terms of being in work that is very mission oriented is this mm-hmm. tension between is the mission ever over? Am I doing enough? Do right. I, Absolutely. do I have to be doing more? Uh, mm-hmm. And having to have that balance around like, yes, the work you're doing is important, but mm-hmm. the world isn't resting on your shoulders and it's not all going to get solved today. And it's a long marathon rather than the sprint. So you need to be able to have the awareness of that and the balance around being able to to keep going rather than thinking you have to do it all and not being able to and crashing due to that (laughs) exactly no absolutely one of the best pieces of advice i got was when i was doing one of my internships with um, a housing organization in new york city Um, my supervisor told me you have to celebrate the little victories or else you'll just go crazy because (laughs) you'll you're never going to see the end of the tunnel uh, in certain projects sometimes you will but it it might again like it will be a marathon so you know celebrate those you know grants that you get approved for celebrate that the community members are on board with uh, your plan you know all those kinds of things Uh, it's worth celebrating yeah uh, and as you as you talk about all of those things that you need in terms of energy level and the the work you're doing, your excitement in it, and uh, is there anything that you wish you could change about that work that you're doing that would have make mm-hmm. it so that it was more impactful and have more of an impact? Uh, yeah, I think that um, I yeah I, I remember listening to one of your previous interviews and uh, someone talking about kind of like the bureaucracy of the nonprofit world. Mm. (laughs) Um, And I think that um, that is something that I have had to like face and understand better um, and understand also where they're coming from um, in terms of there's a lot resting on, especially I'm a part of a small organization. There's only 11 full-time staff where I work at and we mm. serve thousands of clients every month. <laughs> so um, I understand there's a lot resting on the shoulders of the board of directors and the executive director. Um, and I think that uh, it's super important to take into mind the, the pressure they're under. Um, and also understand that if you do have that <laughs> energy level to work outside of work, which occasionally I do too, um, there is stuff you can do outside of like your position. Um, there's some things that you can, you know, change and talk to um, with your organization about changing. Um, and then there's other things that uh, sometimes you have to put in your own hands. <laughs> um, so of course, I always wish we could serve even more folks um, on a broader scale and, you know, do more like community outreach within the Columbia Heights neighborhood. But we're really lucky that we have been there for a long time. Um, that were so established that even clients refer, you know, refer us to their friends and to folks that they know and see um, who um, might be having a hard time. If there were anything else you could be doing besides your current role, what would that be? I think that uh, kind of going back to that food sovereignty, food um, justice work, I do think um, in the future, I would love to have a more prominent focus on doing that kind of work, uh, especially um, more on the ground 
work when it comes to both on the ground physically and also on the ground grassroots rise mm. uh, grassroots wise um i would love to do um more food justice work and especially just uh access to food choice over what folks can eat really an environmental focus as well um and mm. how we can have folks be appreciative of like what's growing around them and uh, no matter who they are, uh, whether they live in a food desert or they don't, just having more of an appreciation for the food that grows around them. So something to do with food. <laughs> <laughs> so still, yeah, still food regardless, even if not in your current spot. Yeah, absolutely. Which I mean, I do, I, I've collected like with other organizations such as Food Recovery Network, um, individual mm. donors. We've also collected thousands of pounds worth of food to donate to um, to our clients because we've been doing big grocery bag gives, giveaways for ever since I started working there, um, as well as those meals that we prepare. So I've worked with all kinds of people on doing that. So yeah, still in a way, I do get to be uh, in that food justice world through Thrive for sure. Yeah, there certainly are a lot of good food justice focused organizations out there. And Absolutely. I know, as you just mentioned there, the one food recovery network, I know I can personally vouch for that a bit in the sense that uh, I was one of the volunteers with the original founders of that organization back at on University of Maryland's campus back in my undergrad days when we were letting food from the from the football stadium at Maryland in the back of a couple of people's cars and now it's kind of wild for me to see what that's now become from it. Yeah. Literally just being about 10 of us loading food into people's that's cars crazy. to what it is today. No, so it really has grown so much. I've had the opportunity to talk to some of the folks who work there and it, it really is crazy how much it's built up and it's super impressive. And the work that they're doing is just awesome. Even just the other day we, um, we received Oh, a bunch of salad greens from them. And it was just great, you know? <laughs> yeah. Originally, originally it was just a bunch of leftover French fries and chicken tenders after football games. <laughs> yeah. Which is also, you know, equally important, you know, still good food for sure. I right. love seeing that environmental also kind of aspect with it. Um, not only serving people who need food, um, but also making the earth a healthier place. <laughs> mm, all the things are always connected. Again, exactly. All the things are always connected. <laughs> well, for you, as you talk about the different things you've done, the things you want to accomplish beyond that one book that we talked about earlier, have there been three people or resources that you would say have been the most influential to you of your yeah, life absolutely. and early career? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, reading that book, Farming While Black, Leah Penniman, if anyone has any interest in just food justice um, and like also just black liberation and uh, all of that jazz, she's amazing. The book Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kim Kimmerer, I think is mm. how you pronounce her last name. She's um, an amazing indigenous woman who uh, who writes so beautifully about not only the environment, but um, also just how we can live kind of in harmony with the world. Um, and that honestly wasn't just uh, impactful for me in the sense of, you know, my interest in the environment and food, but also just about how the work I do 
um, you know, how, how it can be in harmony with all kinds of things in my life, really. So that was an amazing um, book that I actually read uh, just this past spring. So I guess almost a year ago now. <laughs> hmm. um, and uh, in terms of in my life, I've, I've had a lot of amazing people who just are super giving. Um, so, I mean, my parents are two people who have really inspired me to, um, to be a giver and to be empathetic and just kind of want to serve folks uh, and serve communities. They, uh, they actually own a music store in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And mm. uh, my dad teaches lessons. He's been, uh, he's, He's uh, been a part of and also run a, a band called No Obstacles, which works with folks who are at risk, or uh, excuse me, who works with folks who are um, uh, have uh, various disabilities, whether they're adults or kids. Um, and really, just uh, he does a summer camp for them. He has a year-round band, um, and it's awesome. Um, so honestly, a big part is just seeing them give back so much to the musical community in Ann Arbor, and that was really. Um, really inspiring for me, I think, as a kid. And then I also had uh, the amazing professors in college. Um, I was a sociology major at the College of Worcester in Ohio. And uh, and I had never heard of sociology before I got mm. signed up for an introduction to sociology class. <laughs> and I had it with um, a professor named Thomas Tierney. And I had a super um, influential professor, both Ann Nurse and actually uh, Heather Fitzgibbon, um, they were all amazing professors and kind of helping me understand my interests, especially for housing in college was very strong and uh, made me just really inspired to want to write my thesis on what housing looked like in Detroit, as well as um, just learning a lot more about our world. <laughs> mm. You know, that's what sociology really encompasses. So uh, it's just like, you know, how our world operates and why we do the things we do that was the huge game changer in, you know, obviously my college career, but also just my life is uh, realizing that I could do a major that had me doing all kinds of things that I was really interested in. And I have so many interests. So, <laughs> you <laughs> Sounds know, like it. but yeah, they were all incredibly influential folks uh, in my life as well as, like I mentioned earlier, um, a lot of the amazing um, women who really uh, kind of took me under their wing in Pittsburgh, um, one was um, Raquie Bay, and she works for Grow Pittsburgh uh, and does a lot of amazing food initiatives, and uh, as well as um, a woman named Ayana, uh, and she was she was really great as well, and uh, ran her own garden, and it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so more even more food connection there. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Well, there's uh, one other main question I have for you, and this is something that you probably heard that I ask. Everybody that comes on the show here, if there were one thing that you could tell the listeners about work or life or anything else you'd like to share, what would that one thing be? I would say uh, definitely during this crazy time of just COVID, um, like take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there, you know, it's really hard to, I, from what I've heard, especially it, it's really difficult right now to like be out there in the work world and trying to apply for jobs and things like that um but also in general like when you are working and things like that just you know knowing your boundaries um and respecting your own boundaries um as well as just uh 
continuing to listen to the communities that you work with. Um, I think that is definitely the most important if you're going into the nonprofit world. That is, I think, the most important thing you can do. And also, you'll just learn so, so much from the community if you listen to them. Mm. Yeah, it's important to focus on those that you're serving and doing the mission so that you're not trying to be a savior, trying to save a problem that might not be the problem that the people actually facing the problem. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You don't want to create a bigger problem. So it's it's always important. That's That's my favorite part of my job is listening to the clients and just chatting with them in general, but also hearing them out and hearing even just them being like, you know, we could really use uh, more milk. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I will get, I'll try to find this more milk. You know, it's just little things like that. Just hearing them out and hearing their needs and um, hearing what they, uh, what they need in their community. (laughs) Well, that's just about what I've got for you, but where can our listeners connect with you if they'd like to hear more about your story that you've been sharing here and about the work that you're doing. Yeah. Um, folks can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, my full name, Rose Osborne, O-S-B-U-R-N. And uh, my um, they can also reach me at my email, which is rose, R-O-S-E, at thrivedc.org. Yeah. Gotcha. And yeah, I will, as always, include links to that down in the show notes so that people can easily access that and- reach out and connect well yeah so thanks for connecting and taking the time to come on the show today and share your story absolutely thanks so much for having me hey everyone thanks for tuning in to today's show hopefully you learned something new about the work happening in the nonprofit sector and were inspired to get involved if you liked what you heard be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening from want to learn more about today's guest, how you can contact them and explore the organization they work for, check out the show notes. But that'll do it for this episode. Come back next time to hear from yet another aspiring altruist.